Presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeBoy. I'm the host of the show, and today I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here this afternoon, another beautiful day. On the Plains, a lot to discuss as always. We will get into the latest Auburn basketball news. Got uh, a update from Janai Broom last night. We got to tell you about uh, still waiting for more portal news. We just gotten done discussing yesterday uh, if we were going to see decisions uh, from some of these guys or if they were just kind of quietly come back. Well, we're starting to get more decisions uh, ahead of the entry date for the NBA draft. We'll talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs at some point today. Haven't talked about that at all yet, so I want to get a few words in on the various series going on uh, early in the NBA playoffs, including an update on Auburn player Isaac Okoro. Of course, we'll talk some Atlanta Braves. The Braves will be on uh, TV in our studio as we talk today, and of course on our sister station AM 1230 WAUD. Of course, we'll take all your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334 334- 887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Birthdays and sports, nightly TV guide, and of course a little bit about Auburn baseball after a triumphant victory against Sanford last night. We're getting off the airwaves about 5.30 today. That's because Auburn softball will start around 5.45 as they have another home matchup tonight. And so uh, last couple midweek games for Auburn softball as we're starting to have the waning weeks of softball season J.J. Jackson, Jacob Hillman will be on the call from Jane B. Moore Field this evening. Again, Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here today. We'll start with Cam today. Good to see you. I hope you had a great weekend, sir, uh, down at the beach, and uh, good to have you back. Yeah, glad to be here. Definitely enjoyed a little uh, quick little weekend at the beach in Gulf Shores. Had a great time. Um, and, yeah, just um, watched a lot of play- NBA playoff basketball. Watched um, my Hawks get the just embarrassed in in Boston in game one and um you know I watched uh, a bunch of great games and uh yeah with the Janai stuff you know it just seems like he's kind of testing the water the same stuff that Allen Robinson did or not Allen Robinson excuse me Allen Flanagan did um to just kind of see where he stands amongst uh, all the others uh, I, I think that he will be back. Hopefully he'll be back. He's a kind of a key piece that uh, Auburn is going to need this upcoming season. So um, hopefully he's just kind of testing the waters and um, will be able to come back. And, yeah, Auburn baseball with the run rule uh, against Sanford, a much-needed win, a good dominant win, um, especially with the bats. And, and um you know, hopefully this will be something they can build off of and, and continue through SEC play um, and and maybe get some victories. Just kind of falling behind here. It's kind of becoming now or never uh, time for for the Auburn Tigers, and, and you want to give them, you know, they 
give him the uh, the chance to make the uh, the tournament. So yeah, just uh, see see how things go from here. But yeah, I'm doing great. And then Tom Peavy also on the show with us. Tom, yeah. you we'd been together just us two last couple of days. Great to have Cam with us today, but good to see you again, sir. Yeah, Cam breaking up the dynamic duos. <laughs> it's the dynamic well, now trio. Now it's a triple threat. I was going to say the dynamic trio now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm doing great. And, uh, yeah, big win for Auburn baseball last night. Um, uh, we've talked about how important the midweek games are, mainly to get the wins. They don't necessarily – uh, help you so much when you win them, but if you lose them, they're devastating. And uh, for Auburn, with the way they've been kind of struggling of late, they needed to get a win to get some momentum going. So good for them there. Uh, Braves, man, hot as a firecracker right now. Uh, I know we're going to talk some more about that. And then uh, a little bit of everything going on, the Janai Broom stuff, uh, it definitely came as a surprise. Uh, the news that he was going to enter uh, the uh, NBA draft or test the NBA draft, I guess you should say. Um, but for anybody that's panicking over that, that does not mean that he is necessarily leaving. He is just going to see, kind of test the waters and see where he's at as far as that goes. But he's still retaining his eligibility. Uh, my personal thought is he's going to be back. I, I don't know that he's going to grade out all that well right now for the NBA. So I, I would assume he's going to come back for another year, but you never know. So uh, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff to talk about and ready to get it going. Yeah, let's start with that Janai Broom news. And uh, I do think it caught most people off guard. I know that some of the beat writers said it was not too surprising. I, I have to disagree on this one just because uh, I, I did not think of Broom as being ready uh, to be in the NBA. Uh, of course, Bruce Pearl had very positive things about uh, Janai Broom to say on Twitter, as he often does about all of his players, said that if not this year, next year, at some point, he believes Janai Broom will be a pro player. It's not uncommon for guys to test draft waters. It's part of the rule change that they implemented a few years ago where wow. you can put your name in, get valuable feedback, and then have the ability to come back to your school, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Alan Flanagan I, did that last yeah, year. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was um, pretty sure Flanagan. And I did think that. even Dylan Cardwell, uh, interestingly <laughs> enough, did that last year too. And, and so this is not some uh, goodbye for sure moment here. Right. I, I think that if we're looking at Janai Broom's draft grade again, I, he is absolutely in no way a first round pick. And I do not know what the end of the second round could do. I, I mean, some picks can get funky, right. you know, 50 through 60. Some Definitely get, can be random. Right, some <laughs> teams can get guys from Europe that are draft and stash guys. I'm not even going to tell everyone what that means. It's complicated. But uh, some random things can happen at the end of the second round. But I do not think ultimately that Bruin would be considered a top 50 NBA prospect. And so I think that this will end up being uh, – a false alarm or just, I don't want to say a nothing, but I don't think that at the end of the day, Janai Broom will keep his name in. So we need to ward off some sort of panic. I know it was surprising to a lot of people. Yeah. It was surprising to me. I was also surprised. But I guess the, the counter argument to it is, okay, even if you are not supposed to be picked, if you are maybe the 80th best prospect or the 100th best right. prospect, okay, well, you're sniffing around a little yeah, bit. So... Go to those camps, go to those NBA guys, and see what you lack in, what you need to get better if you're going to go back to school. So for that reason, again, I, I don't blame him for doing this. is kind of like, okay, clearly the dude wants to play at the next level. Right. 
I think he's going to have a troublesome time doing that personally. But why not go get some feedback and see how close or far away you are and and see what skill sets need to develop for you to be able to be a pro? Yeah, why? Well, I mean, yeah, basically, you know, best case scenario, why not figure out? And, and if you're Janai, you're thinking, well, you know, I don't have too much to lose. You know, I have the opportunity to come back to school and uh, test the NBA waters just just to see um you know where i stand right like if you're like you said if you're in that 80 to 100 you're sniffing around you're like oh you know this isn't too bad i might have an opportunity next year to maybe get drafted in the in the second round maybe late first round something like that um just uh just to like i said just see where you stand i i think it could be very very beneficial and and it'll help him really work on his skill sets and um they see the things like you said that he needs to develop and get better at and um see where he works uh see what he works at and it'll probably push him to really you know be better uh in certain areas of the game that will could ultimately end up helping auburn um maybe being with just everything uh in, in the type of player that he is and, and so when you're looking at someone like Janai Broom, that then begs the question, okay, with the remaining players that have not made decisions yet, like a Jalen Williams or Alan Flanagan again, you know, could that also mean that they end up going this route where they put their name in the draft, right. re- retain their eligibility? Now, maybe with Flanagan, because he did it last year, and maybe he's just ready to be done with college, yeah. maybe he just puts his name in it and, and that's his it's decision. It it's goes. not to transfer right. somewhere else. It's just – all right, I'm going to kind of do like Wendell Green Jr. I know I'm probably going to not get drafted, and, and so let's just let's start the G League career, career. Let's get in with the summer league team, and let's go from there. Um, I think the deadline. I don't know if you guys know off the top of your head is is approaching. I don't. It's like I, next week. I yeah. It's some sometime it's very. Soon. It might ten days ish. It might 12. be Sunday. This Sunday. I I, I Maybe. think so. So if that's the decision that anyone else comes to, it's going to have to be made pretty quickly. Uh, I would be surprised if someone like Jalen Williams' decision was to transfer. So I think it's either come back or come back after I get some feedback from the NBA. Um, KD would be more likely to hit the portal, but we've seen signs that he seems to be really excited about Denver Jones coming on campus, someone that plays his position. And maybe he is going to continue on here. Uh, I don't know, you know, what uh, Flanagan will do because I, I think that he is the one where realistically maybe all options are genuinely on the table. Right. Uh, he was once a late first round graded guy and could have easily gone pro two years ago and, and would at minimum been picked, if not end of first round. And so that having been his past. I think that that is obviously frustrating for him, but it also would tell him that if I can get in front of these NBA guys, you know, and, and show them that I did shoot the ball a little bit better this year, and I've got my my quick step back, I'm not injured anymore. Maybe he can make a better case that, right. that he could get a, a second round selection or at least a, a priority summer league invite, that sort of thing. So, but at the same time, you know, if he if he's not ready for that, if he feels he can get an NIL deal somewhere, if he wants to go be back with his dad and go to Ole Miss, I don't know. There are there are potentially more ways for Flanagan to do his offseason decision than I feel like uh, the last couple of guys on the table. But uh, we were doing some scholarship math yesterday. And again, um, 
we believe that at this point, do you have the date, Cam? Yeah, it's so I was uh, so the deadline to enter their names was is Sunday. Okay, is this Sunday? So and then deadline to withdraw take their names out into May, June, June, June twelfth, June twelfth. Yeah. Late. Okay, so we could be waiting for a while. We could be waiting for almost two months on this. Um, Excuse me. No, it's, it's May thirty first. Nope. Yeah, okay, May thirty first. Yep. Still a while, uh, but five or six weeks instead of seven or eight weeks. Right. So. You look at the scholarships, Auburn, I, again, these, these are things that we could publicly speculate about, and we will because that's kind of our job. Uh, but privately, I think that Bruce Pearl and staff have a better idea of what Broom's final decision will be than we do. I mean, we can guess. Right. We can make educated guesses is what we do. Well, we don't know. But, but if Bruce Pearl thought that it was more likely than not that Broom would go, well, then he would – change his recruiting habits right, over right. the next couple of weeks and in the portal and that sort of thing. He so might have pushed a little harder for uh Ben Middlebrooks. Right. You know, guys like that. We will assume for now though, based off the scholarship math from yesterday again, departures. Zepp Jasper, Wendell Green Jr. Uh you're going to have uh no more um, no chance. Chance Westry who no, went to Syracuse no or Yoan Treor who's not made a decision yet. And then was uh, Babatunde Akinbola did have a scholarship, right? Yes, yes, he did. So that's five scholarships departing, and now two entering with Aiden Hallway in Denver Jones. So right now, assuming Broom comes back, you're still looking at three vacant scholarships with decisions pending. Obviously, a final decision from Broom. I'm still going to think he ends up coming back, and then waiting on decisions from Katie Johnson, Jalen Williams, and Alan Flanagan. Yeah. I, yeah. Do we have that all straight? Is we that, do. I, I that think the state that's of play? all straight. Yeah. So with those three scholarships, before we go to our first break, again, you brought in Denver Jones. You brought in Aiden Holloway. You've got a lot of scoring in Jones, a lot of potential in Holloway. I think you'll see Holloway slash Donaldson mix it up for that point guard <laughs> position, which is going to be very exciting I'm what excited. that ceiling is. Yes. Uh, so what else does Auburn need? I know we're talking I know, I know we're talking in recent days about Auburn talking to Matthew Cleveland, Devin right. Cambridge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are, are those the right fits for you guys on two of these next yeah. three scholarships? Yeah, I personally think so. Uh, Matthew Cleveland uh, brings a, a lot of athleticism, a good amount of scoring. You, you I mean, um, you know, he, I'm pretty sure he's the one that hit that game winner uh, for Florida State, if I remember correctly. Against Miami? Um, yeah, against yeah. Miami. And um, he, he's he's played with Jabari, so there's that connection as well. Uh, when they played together in uh, AAU ball, um, and he's a good wing. Uh, he's a very long, long and, and solid wing that you could use a, a very immediate starter. Um, and then with Cambridge, uh, having him, you know, I don't see him as much of a starter, but in a backup role, I think he could be used very well. Uh, his shooting has improved, um, you know, back to where it was his freshman year. He was at 33% uh, shooting this year, uh, or yeah, this past year at Arizona State. Um, it would be cool to see him come back to Auburn. Uh, it would definitely be interesting. Um, and, you know, in that reserve role, I think, you know, he knows the system that Bruce runs already. Um, and um, he's a well-liked guy. So I don't see why, um, you know, as a backup three, I think that would be something that 
um, would be very beneficial uh, in a bench role. I could definitely see that. So those two guys would be your your threes right there. Those are your three guys because uh, and Cambridge brings some good defense as well. He brings real solid defense and and a high lot uh, a high amount of uh, athleticism also. That's why they call him Bounce Man. Uh, that, that, that nickname's for a reason. So, yeah, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see how this really shakes out. Uh, those two guys, though, I could definitely see them being uh, immediate fits for sure. And then with uh, Cheney Johnson's another guy that Auburn's looking at. That's the uh, UAH forward. Right. Uh, average, average 15, 16 a game. Again, I know that there are there's still levels to all this, and, and some guys would not be as exciting as others. But uh, you also have got to keep in mind that that – good players are going to look at the situation and be like, all right, well, there's already eight good players there. So I'm right. not playing 28 minutes a game. If I go to that point, you do have to kind of level it off at some point. You obviously try and accrue the most talent that you can, but I'm pretty sure a UAH guy, again, no finish. I, look, this is just speculation, but I'm pretty sure that Cheney Johnson is not going to look at Auburn and be like, well, I demand 28 minutes a game. <laughs> no, yeah. No. I don't know if that's the position that, right. <laughs> that you'd be in there, but I think with Devin Cambridge, we've talked a little bit about him. That's just like I, I am not confident enough that he is actually a really good three-point shooter so that it's more of a bench role for him where, okay, you give that energy. You might make a three-ball or two. You hope that it's a better version of Devin than when he left Auburn two years ago. Sure. You hope you're getting the Arizona State version that was 10 a game. 33 or 34% from I would three. Absolutely take that. Absolutely. Heartbeat. Coming off the bench, I would sure. love yeah, it. Yeah. Ten, 10 points. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with Cambridge is, I mean, that he could provide that valuable depth that you look for. And I mean, especially when you've really overhauled this whole roster, uh, you've still got to get depth. I mean, everybody wants to focus on who your starting five is going to be, and that's great. But you have to have that depth. And yeah, Cambridge, Bruce plays a lot of guys. He plays he more guys he, than most. He, he absolutely does. He definitely goes to the bench. And so, uh, that that's yeah, it's a perfect spot for uh, for Cambridge. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know much about the Cheney, Cheney Johnson. Yes. Yeah, yes. Cheney Johnson. Not as familiar with him. I mean, obviously – when you think about going from Alabama Huntsville to potentially Auburn, I mean that's a huge leap in skill and quality sure. of play and everything. And so, I you know I would be I'd be curious to see how he would. Obviously, that would be another depth player. Yeah. Him, um, him as a backup four, like if Jalen were to come right. back as a backup four, that's that I would like that a lot. So. A lot of moving parts here. I, I still, for some reason, I, I still have it in my head that Auburn's going to go after a what we keep going a big big. Um, and even whether they that, poked around a couple, they have, you know. and and I and, and well, and that's why I keep thinking they're going to try to find somebody that can give even more depth because I mean Cardwell's great, Janai is great. But you're definitely going to have to have some if Janai does decide well, uh, to leave, yeah. obviously, because I mean Cardwell is not going to uh, does yeah. not need to be your starting, you know, center at all. Um, and so it'll be curious to see if they really uh, focus on a on a really big in case Janai does leave, or just to have uh, that maybe depth. displace Dylan Cardwell, or at least challenge yeah. him for well, the backup. Role. Well, but the thing is, I mean, that's kind of you know, Bob and Akinbola was looked at as a big man and i mean and he just never was able to scratch the the surface of the lineup really and uh and now he's gone and so that that kind of makes you wonder about uh again getting getting that another depth piece there yeah i mean again i've said this a couple times with dylan cardwell where 
Again, he is a energy guy, uh, and he is a crowd favorite. Oh yeah, but that is still a very upgradable position because Cardwell has a very high foul rate. He gets in foul trouble very yeah, quickly for for what he's actually able to bring as far as a shot blocker. He does not block the shots that insinuate that he should be committing as many fouls as he does. And then obviously offensively, he's great. He's athletic. He gets a few offensive rebounds, a few putback dunks, but he does not have a, a, a post game to start out with. So there, that is an upgradable position. Or you you find someone, and I know you said big bigs. So you're looking at someone that's seven foot, but if you have a power forward that could also function as a center, to where you kind of have the opportunity for Cardwell to earn his minutes if he if he improves in some ways, or if you need to go a small lineup, you have a six eight six nine guy that right. ends up being a stretch guy that can play a little bit of everything four or five. So so there's still ways to do that without you know, guaranteeing that someone doesn't have minutes down there. But uh, we will keep an eye on it, as we always do, and continue to update you. But Janine Broom headed to the NBA draft process, maintaining his eligibility deadline May 31st for him to decide to come back or stay in the draft. Of course, we'll let you know when we hear about a decision there. We're going to take our first time out of the show today when we come back. We'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time, and we'll have birthdays in sports a little bit later. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call today. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here this afternoon. And let's go ahead to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? Doing good. I'm always having a good day when I get to uh, hear your comments and talk with you guys. So thank you for that. Uh, uh, pleasure. So uh, I see today we have the three amigos, right? Yes, sir. Ryan, yes, Cam, sir. Tom. Tom, and Cam. Welcome back, Cam. It's good to have you on the show. Glad to be here. So let's get to it, guys. Uh, I enjoyed listening to you, your comments, especially about the uh, the basketball. And I was uh, kind of taken aback when I first saw it last night on 247 Sports about Janiah Broom. I said, okay, he just tested Ward to see, you know, uh, what kind of evaluation uh, and feedback he'll get back. Uh, I agree. I, I think he's pretty much should be returning. Let me ask you this. So what do you think explains why we have not heard yet any any announcements from Alan Flanagan? Uh, I, I think part of it is that he's got three realistic options. Obviously, he could still test the NBA draft waters. He could come back to Auburn, or he could transfer. And I think that uh, there, it's possible that maybe he's kind of doing some – uh, laying the groundwork for, for what a transfer situation might look like for him. Uh, it might just be a tougher decision for him. He's kind of had to make go through this process a couple other times 
uh, with Auburn. And uh, obviously the deadline to get into the draft is coming up in just a few days. So if it's going to be that route, we will know soon. Uh, but I just think that he's got uh, – it, it, it's a tough decision, I, and I can certainly see how it would be a tough decision. Okay. Um, I'm trying to, to understand your um, viewpoint that it's a tough decision. His dad's going to Ole Miss, so I'd be thinking yeah, I should go where my dad is, but maybe I'm thinking wrongly then. I mean, you don't yeah. always do anything just because right. your dad does that. I mean, right. I know it ended up working out that way at, at Auburn, but – uh, it, it you know for him it might be time to to do something away from his dad. I don't know. I I, I again that's that's up to kind of each each person yeah, and how yeah. their relationship is. And obviously they do have a good relationship because they were together at Auburn. But I, I'm sure that factors in some. But again, that's a tough decision because maybe Flanagan doesn't want to be at Ole Miss. You know, like, like maybe he generally like, loves Auburn. Like I, you know, there's teammates. Yeah, there there are layers to it. Guys, you have any thoughts right now? Speculations as to what the position is, uh, you know, regarding Alan Flanagan uh, with uh, uh, Bruce Pearl. Do you think he's uh, having conversations with him to uh, encourage him to leave or to stay? I think yeah. I think since they've got three scholarships open right now, I don't think there's a sense of urgency to right. try and get Flanagan out just the let door. Him take his time and make his own decision. I, I and I think that Flanagan was a productive enough player for Auburn. We kept talking about kind of four core players throughout the season and Flanagan was the fourth of that group and so I, I think that he played well enough he's got that obviously veteran experience I, I definitely think that Auburn would would want him back I, again if he had played poorly this year I think the writing would have been on the wall but the fact that he did have some really nice moments and games I think that made it to where the, the the interest in having another year at Auburn is mutual all right uh, continue to stay with uh, basketball are there any current um basketball uh, team players who we have not heard from that you think we might hear from by entering the transfer portal? I, I would have thought K.D. Johnson would, would right. be a pretty big candidate to to hit yeah, the portal. So uh, but, you know, everything that he's kind of indicated on social media... Locked into he, that backup, too. Yeah, he, he seems like he is happy at Auburn. Now, again, he... Well, I, he would have found it very relevant to his playing situation that Denver Jones transferred because I know Jones is a bigger bodied guy than he, but they're going to play the same position. KD's going to be an undersized two guard, and, and Denver Jones is more of a shooting guard than he is a point guard. So, uh, you know, that does impact KD in that manner. But I think also being uh, involved in a Bruce Pearl system for so long that he really mixes up the, the positions. Uh, for guys out on the perimeter a lot that, that he'll play two point guards at times he'll play uh, some guys that are not point guards and more of a ball handling role so I, I I don't know I assume by now they've had some conversations and maybe KD and, and Auburn kind of know which direction that's headed in but again the longer he's still here I mean it, obviously it's a, a tougher decision for him too or else he would have already been already gone. made a decision yeah. and been gone so I, I at this point chances are improving that he'll be back well, after the portal window closes, does that mean then we pretty much know what our roster is? Well, it's it's not the. I mean, yes, it would be after the portal window closes, but that so the the date we just referred to in the last segment was the NBA draft deadlines, and you've got to enter the draft by this Sunday, and then right. you've got to pull your name out by May thirty first or or stay in it. So that's not necessarily relevant to every player. It would be when the actual transfer portal win window closes, and I again would have to look that up. I am 
unsure. I know that it's only a couple-week window for football, but I, I don't know when the window officially closes for basketball. Anybody else that you think uh, might be looking to transfer out? You know, I know you mentioned Jalen Williams, other players, Trey Dawson, or would you be pretty safe and pretty, uh, I guess, secure that, yep, we don't hear from these people shortly, then we know they're staying. Yeah, with Williams, that would that would be more of the case. Donaldson already said he is coming back, so that that's a uh, that's an official coming back at that point. Yeah, Jalen Williams is someone that's not publicly made a decision. Uh, I, I again, he's not been really one to be a louder spoken guy, and so I, again, I can't really read into everything that he does, or 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 there's not been much to read into, quite frankly. But I, I think that ultimately the most likely outcome is that he will be back at Auburn. What about Chris Moore? You know, we've not really talked about Chris yeah. Moore. Uh, I I don't have a read on that. You know, I, that's yeah, a good call, either. Steve. I have we have really not spent much time there. Obviously, he's a guy that hustles. Is it can be physical on the glass for his size. Uh, tried to get a little bit more of an offensive game this year. Was hitting some open <sighs> three pointers. Was man, and that I think the injuries just really derailed him. So you know, I don't know. I, I again, I've not, uh, I've not contemplated. Again, I will go back to, I will revert, revert back to this statement. With currently three scholarships open for Auburn, and still one or two or three guys still trying to make decisions, I think Auburn is probably past the point of trying to force guys to leave. I feel like, or or insinuate that it would be best for them. I, I feel that they probably are comfortable with what they've done so far, which is get Denver Jones, and then knowing they've still got three more opportunities to build. Uh, again, this team was not horrible last year. It was still a tournament team. You need to retool it. You need to make it a little better, but you don't necessarily have to change every single thing about it. you got to shoot better. You've got to at times rebound better and obviously take care of the ball when you can, but I, I think that overall... Free throws. Let's, don't forget free throws. <laughs> well, well, sure, And uh, but again, you're not you're not going to sign somebody just because they're a good foul shooter. They've got to do way more than that. But, well, I agree, but guys, let's, let's get some improvement. Sure. Again, um, n- no opposition, but that's just not the primary thing that that uh, look someone's looking at. A player, yeah. So I-, I think that they have already checked the box of, uh, or at least in one case, they still need more guys that can shoot. But their first get, great score, great shooter, checking those boxes. So that's why Tom refers to a big big because he's looking for somebody to. to defend the rim and get more rebounds i think we're all looking at a a versatile wing of some sort that can shoot a little bit put on the floor a little bit and so i think that at this point if 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 there's not been uh any any other quick departures i think that auburn's okay with everyone else coming back it's still up to them at the end of the day as far as okay well i know you're good with me back but am i good coming back or or do i need to see if the grass is greener on the other side so with someone like Chris Moore, have not spent much time on that. But again, we're getting a little far along in the process. I mean, Auburn season's been done for right. a month, uh, and the basketball season as a whole has been done for over two weeks. So the longer it goes, the more we just start to assume that they're going to make decisions come back. Again, that's not foolproof. That's not 100%, but the it chances at least improve as time goes on. Transfer portal right. window, transfer portal window a, uh, ends May 11. May 11. Okay. So we got about three more weeks. All right, guys, um, should I not be, I guess, concerned or shocked? Because I was a little bit yesterday when I saw that uh, Arkansas named a five-star basketball player. And I didn't even know if we were uh, in the discussion with this person. Do you know who I'm talking about? I forgot their name. 
I just saw it yesterday. High school player I'm not familiar with. I know that they've done an incredible yeah, job in the no, portal. High school player, five-star, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about the high school player. I know that they have five portal commits that uh, combined to average 65 points a game last year. It's ridiculous. And, uh, when you look at the, the ability well, of muscleman. Well, what's the secret, Doug? I mean, uh, Arkansas is not a world beater when it comes to basketball tournaments. Uh, I mean, they're not, but they're also, again, program. i got to remind you of their history here. Yeah. They're still a higher historical program than Auburn is. So, uh, you know, Arkansas values it a lot. They've got a, a little better tradition than, than, than most SEC schools. And then Musselman is a heck of a recruiter. He's also got the, the secondary, and this might be relevant to why he recruits these really good players well, is that he's got that secondary element that he was an NBA head coach at one point. So he can also pitch the guys, well, I've been there. I know what that's like there, and I know what you need to do to get there. So he, had in his time at Arkansas, has been a very, very good recruiter. They've already sent a few players to the league yep, in his time. They'll send some more, send this, more this, year. This, uh, this season. Uh, so uh, he's got a good thing rolling in the recruiting ranks there. Okay, I'm just saying, well, uh, how's that different from us sending people uh, to the NBA? People like Walter Kessler, who's a rookie of the year, you know, finalist. Yeah, but Auburn's more recent in terms of sending players to the NBA. Okay, uh, so you're saying they're more blue blood. I mean, well, I would, you know, I, I think there's only five that, or six true blue they, bloods, they, but they go a little bit deeper when it comes to sending players yeah, to the they NBA. Were, they were really good with Nolan Richardson for a long time in the, yeah, in the 90s and stuff. Can name so, a few players: yeah. Bobby Portis, um, uh, Patrick Beverly went to Arkansas. I mean, there's there's a few players that that went there that are now in the NBA and have been for okay. a while. All right, fair enough. Uh, move on real quickly, uh, guys. You think this is a, a big impact or loss when? Uh, Mr. Powell Gordon has announced he's entering the transfer portal. I no loss. I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. think that's a loss. Yeah, I mean, again, you're gonna you're gonna lose some players. I, I do not think Powell Gordon was going to start at all. I don't even know if he would have been second string. To be quite honest with you. Okay. Uh, also, real quickly, uh, Alabama commitment five star. In fact, now he's been ranked the number three player in the country. Brian Williams is now being hotly pursued by. Our uh, coaching staff, yeah. um, guys. You know his father played at Auburn. Uh, do you see any credible likelihood that he might even lean towards decommitting and coming to Auburn? What or what do you know about this kid, Ryan Williams? I, I my personal thought, I, I think Auburn flips him, um, and because he he comes from the legacy, but his whole thing, and he has I, he has even said himself that he was not a fan of the previous coaching staff and that they didn't recruit him very well and that he really likes this new staff here. It's a shocker there. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) nobody, you know, just I can't believe that. But, yeah, um, he's been been very vocal that he's always loved Auburn. He's always been an Auburn fan, but he just did not like the, the previous staff, and the previous staff really did not recruit him at all. And now he's being recruited by the school that he has all grown up loving and so I, I i think auburn flips him and by the way this will take a while because as you mentioned 2025 class so he's just going into his junior right. in high school that's still a couple years down the road okay well uh that's encouraging to ryan i mean uh, time to hear you make those comments and observations about him all right real quick guys uh staying with our uh, team uh last night uh was a pleasant pleasant uh, relief surprise that we didn't burn uh nine pitchers um, trying to win that game last night against Sanford. 
Yeah, again, it's, you know, Sanford weaker competition, so I'm glad that they – I know Auburn been struggling against all competition pitching-wise recently, but it was also nice to, just for semantics, get a run rule victory and not have to pitch a ninth inning and not use another inning on the mound. And uh, they were able to stretch that lead as the game went along. And, uh, yeah, they checked the box. And, again, that is not always – uh, as, as Auburn knows from a couple weeks ago, that's not always the guaranteed result. I don't know if you, you caught this last night, Steve. Remember when UAB beat Auburn in the midweek a few weeks ago? They beat Alabama last night in the midweek. Yeah, I saw so, that. Yeah. Uh, that kind of thing can happen. That was depressing to see them beat uh, Alabama, and we couldn't do it uh, but once. All right, uh, sticking with uh, our uh, sports team, guys, I just saw this on 247 Sports. Uh, I didn't even know we were having the SC Men's Golf Championship uh, Tournament. Uh, and apparently today was day one, and uh, A&M is in first place at minus 11. Alabama's in second place at minus 10, and we're in third place, minus 9. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. I, I was not, but that's very that's a very close leaderboard just within a couple strokes. So do you know how many days this goes on for? I think three, and then they go into like quarter semis finals. They, they, the first three rounds kind of seed teams one through eight. If they do it like the, the women's tournament, I think the first three days happen – then you seed one through eight, you go quarter semis finals. I could be wrong. There might be a different format for men's, but I think that's how they did it in the uh, the women's. All right. And today in uh, sports history, on April the 19th, 1897, I know I wasn't around then. I didn't see this. Uh, do you know what might have happened? In 1897. This uh, sport th- now continues to happen every year on an annual basis. On an annual basis. But are you saying like it only happens at like one point in a year? Or does it happen throughout a year? Like is this a no, baseball once, thing? Once a year. Once a year it happens. Oh, once a year. What happens once a year? Eighteen ninety seven. Any help? No. no, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. We're not thinking of anything. Well, it was what? The first Boston Marathon. Okay. Oh, the, yeah, that just happened yesterday. Good. What, yeah, if you'd asked, or two days ago, maybe. I, if you'd asked me the other day, then that would have uh, that would have maybe rung a bell. Yeah, I just got from History Channel and said today uh, was the uh, eighteen ninety seven was the first time that Boston Boston Marathon was won. Um, the time was I, I don't even know if that's a good time. Two hours fifty five fifty five minutes and ten seconds by a man from where New York by the name of John McDermott. All right then. So if you didn't know it, now you do. And finally, guys, on a sad note, maybe not a sad note, but a uh, tragic note, you know about the uh, Dade uh, shooters. They uh, finally identify who they are. You know that, right? Yeah, they, they made the two made two yeah. arrests. Two Six, uh, 16 and a 17-year-old from Tuskegee. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Very uh, sad. Uh, 16 and 17 years old doing this crap. Yep. Okay. Uh, with that said, guys, I'm going to uh, let you uh, get back to more important uh, phone calls, hopefully. And uh, tonight, the... Uh, uh, a softball team is playing who again? Uh, Auburn is playing. I have to double check that actually. I don't know that they played Troy last week in the midweek. I think this week is Jacksonville State. There we go, Jacksonville okay. State. Is that live streaming or on TV? Uh, I know it's going to be streaming, and it might be on SEC Network Plus. If it's not on SEC Network, it'll be on SEC Network Plus. Okay, I'll check it out. Hey guys. Always enjoy your comments, and thank you for giving me uh, the time that uh, I probably uh, am in debt to you guys. So for that, y'all have a safe uh, remaining afternoon, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. And Mr. Uh, Brooks Childress, will, will he, we be hearing back from him 
I know he's having a wedding coming up soon. Yes, he'll be on tomorrow, so you can uh, you can chat with him then about it. Okay, I can harass him tomorrow then. Yes, sir. Some, <laughs> some unwisely advice about being married. Yes, sir. All right, thank you guys. Uh, until tomorrow, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. A couple minutes left in the hour. We want to do tell you about this, though. It's a, it's about Dadeville, about the tragedy that happened a, f- a few days ago, uh, about being Dadeville strong. The Community Foundation of East Alabama Incorporated is announcing a relief fund dedicated to supporting the families and community of Dadeville who have been affected by the tragic shooting that occurred on the evening of April 15th. The Caring for Dadeville Fund will be used to directly provide resources to those organizations that are supporting and addressing the needs of the affected families in the community at large. 100% of these funds, minus credit card fees, will be distributed as grants to these organizations and partners. We must all come together to support those on the ground tirelessly addressing the needs of the community and families affected by this tragic loss of life. Through this fundraiser, we can all send love and compassion to the people and town of Dadeville. To donate, please visit caringfordadeville.org. Again, caringfordadeville.org uh, to, to help out there and be Dadeville strong. Of course, uh, Steve bringing that up at the uh, at the end there. Tragic circumstance, tragic. Just, again, 30 there minutes you. up the road. Yeah. Uh, hits much closer to home. But um, you can, again, uh, donate and help out there with caringfordadeville.org. Only a couple minutes left. In our number one, again, birthdays and sports will come come up a little bit later. We will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week. It will have to do with what's coming up a little bit later on our airwaves with Auburn softball. So there's your hint there. We'll also have some Smith Station baseball and FM Talk 93.9 starting in just over an hour. Brant Daughtry will be out there. A big region matchup against Central Phoenix City. So, uh, tune into that. A lot going on this time of the year with the bat and ball sports. Also, Steve brought up the 13-3 win against Samford. A important win for Auburn. Not going to say that that was going to be a resume-building win or anything like that. But uh, I, I think Steve didn't quite give me the point I, I was looking for there on baseball. I was not trying to use that uh, UAB winning against Alabama as, oh, well, how did Auburn only beat Alabama once? Well, I was more so saying, remember, it was back when, how did UAB beat Auburn? Uh, And then UAB did turn around and beat Alabama. So that kind of thing can happen in the midweek. And a couple of other scores like that happened last night. I just want to give you a few of them in college baseball to see what can happen in any one baseball games for those listening. All right, so there was a few just large upsets last night, again, for teams just not even – looking like they're ranking number 15 UConn got beat at home by Northeastern 12 to 3 okay you had number 12 Louisville losing to Indiana 7 to 3 you had Virginia Tech and ACC school losing to Radford 16 to 8 normally not good Tennessee is struggling mightily if you did not know they're 5 and 10 in the SEC they lost at home to Tennessee Tech 12 to 5 number 4 Vanderbilt Lost to Indiana State, ten to two. Not good. No, not particularly good. Told you about Alabama losing to UAB four to three. Number one LSU hosting the Raging Cajuns. Well, they were raging eight to five Louisiana over number one LSU. Wow. So that kind of thing happens. I, I'll give you a bonus one if you care. Way out west, Stanford, number nine. 
Normally 13 runs wins against Sacramento State. <laughs> but not last night. 15 runs. Sacramento State dub. So that's yeah. midweek baseball for you. You just never know. Yeah. You just never know. Never. But Auburn was a winner 13 to 3. Well, and that's what I said. You know, a lot of times it's it, when you win those midweek games and well, when you when you win a midweek game against Samford or somebody like that, it doesn't really help your RPI at all, but when you lose them, they're devastating. Now, if you can pick up a win midweek like Auburn did against Georgia Tech, even though they did turn around and lose one, that does help you out a little bit. When, you, right. when you're playing the better competition, those wins look better. Beating Samford, it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. You're supposed to do that. But you lose those, and it's like, mm, they're going to knock you down a bit. And uh, uh, that was, uh, it was somebody – it was talking about how far their RPI. I think it may have been Tennessee. Like their RPI dropped, like how much it dropped even with that loss. That it, like just like you know buried their RPI. So, um, got to take care of business. Uh, I mean that's that's all it boils down to. Yeah. Again, I, I understand that some people start to say at this point in the season they they do more harm than good. But again, for Auburn, look, you just had your worst hitting series of SEC player, at least since the Arkansas series. And that, then you go around and score 13 runs. Maybe that will help you get out of that slump to where you don't slump against Mississippi State, which is a very important series for the Tigers coming up this weekend. So again, even though it's Sanford, okay, 13 runs is 13 runs, though. And as I just as I just told you, Tennessee didn't score 13 on Tennessee Tech. LSU didn't score 13 on Louisiana. So hey, something's better than nothing. Hopefully that gets Auburn back on the right track. We are out of time for hour number one. Still to come, again, Sports Calls Player of the Week. Birthdays in sports, maybe a little NBA playoffs talk, a little Atlanta Braves as they're playing right now against San Diego Padres and much more. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call right here on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Start of hour number two right now on Tiger 95.9. Right in the void, Tom PV Cam Barry. Of course, we appreciate all those that are also listening, maybe after the fact, on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. All right, let's go back to your Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 
1889 Tiger 9. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I'm good and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I am so excited to see uh, what uh, Coach Harris is actually doing and signing some great new uh, basketball players that are going to be coming to Auburn in, uh, I think, this year and next year. So I think, uh, I think Coach Harris, I think with her, um, you know, actually signing some great players from other universities, and uh, some of these great players are are actually jumping into the transfer portal and actually transferring over from their uh, affiliate schools to come to Auburn to to make Auburn win um, more more games as well. And I'm very excited of what Coach Harris has done over time as well. Yeah, certainly trying to win more more basketball games. Obviously, women's, women's basketball we made the WNIT this year, so had some improvement there. Auburn has lost some players themselves to the portal, including one of their top players in Aisha Koulibaly, but Auburn has been trying to fill those scholarships rather quickly. They've gotten a couple of top JUCO players, and they're trying to do their best to reshape the roster. Yeah, because I was uh, looking at like uh, some, some of these uh, new players Comers are coming into Auburn, and I was looking at their highlights from when they played, um, you know, with their uh, former schools. Uh, I know one that's coming, uh, that's already signed a full scholarship commitment to Auburn. I think it's like, I think her name is, her first name is Kiki, uh, and uh, her last name, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Yeah, I, I haven't been really keeping up with, with everything uh, women's basketball transfer portal, so uh, I'll just have to take your word for it. Yeah, because um, when, when the season actually starts, I think with some of these new players that are going to come in, um, you know, I, I think they're going to really uh, work very hard as well and uh, keep up the she, uh, the head coach for the women's basketball, uh, Coach Harris, she needs to keep up a good a good uh, work that she's doing for Auburn, and I and I really see Auburn women's basketball actually making it to another NIT this year. And we shall see. What else is on your mind today? Well, with the NFL draft right around the corner, about a couple of weeks out, um, I'm actually seeing um, if the Carolina Panthers are going to keep the number one all draft pick of Bryce Young and seeing if he's going to actually go to the Carolina Panthers. But I'm just going to have to see if that's if that uh, statement is true or not. But I'm seeing if Bryce Young is actually going to be a Carolina Panther or if, if he's not, he might trade uh they might make a trade and take him to a different uh team in the nfl as well yeah and i i think uh, bryce young will be going first overall from everything that i uh, am hearing that uh, he'll go first to carolina but with the other quarterbacks we will see i still think stroud should probably go two to houston and then it will be kind of up to everyone from there that's when uh, it will start to get a little bit different and uh, we'll just have to see how all those four first-round quarterbacks are when they're taken. Yes, that's all. And then I was looking at, um, I was reading on the NFL Network uh, application that um, that they were talking about Patrick Mahomes and is he 100% if he's going to get uh, his time back with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and do you think that they might make another Super Bowl run this year? Yeah, I think as long as the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes in the huddle, they're always going to be one of the Super Bowl favorites, and that goes for winning the AFC or, or just winning the Super Bowl 
outright. Uh, I think there are other really great quarterbacks in the AFC. I think between he, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow, and maybe even Justin Herbert one day, I think that there will be some very classic AFC playoff games played between those three or four guys. But I do think that in large part, Mahomes is going to be the favorite just about every year with what he's doing in Kansas City. Yes, yeah, sir. So, and then with the NBA play-in tournament uh, starting tonight, um, I'm actually going to be looking at some great games. I have uh, the Los Angeles Lakers winning, so it's going to be a big win. I'm hoping it's going to be a blowout. So the final score for this one will be 110 to 112. Well, that would be a very close game, but uh, we will see if uh, if John Morant play, plays for Memphis. He got hurt in game one and obviously memphis is not going to be the same team if they don't have john morant and so that that leads me to believe the the lakers are going to come out of this series i originally thought memphis would win but if morant's not 100 percent or close to 100 percent, then i i that greatly alters the series and lakers already won game one in the series and and uh, i think they'll be favored to do so again tonight yes as well and then uh this coming up sunday with a big race here in uh, Talladega, I'm actually going to be watching it and uh, seeing if uh, Bubba Wallace is actually going to win the race here in Talladega. And um, I'm hoping that he would win and um, seeing if his team is actually uh, going to win this one as well. Yeah, I always love watching Talladega and these restrictor plate races. And you're right, it is coming up this weekend. Do you remember who won the last Talladega race back in back in October? Um, I, I, um, for me, watching that race, um, I'm not quite sure. I think it was, uh, back in October of last year. My hint is that it was my favorite driver. Uh, let me see. Um, um, I'm not quite sure, but I could take a long, um, I can take a long uh, right turn on this one. Um, I think it was. Uh, oh man, drives the I, number I'm, nine car. Uh, Chase Elliott. There you go. Chase Elliott won the last time they raced at Talladega back in October, and of course this will be his second race. But yeah, you, I know you're a Bubba Wallace guy, and uh, mm-hmm. the great thing about pack racing or restrictor plate racing is truly everyone can. I have a shot at winning that, and we've seen some upset winners, and we've seen Bubba Wallace win before on a restrictor plate too. So we'll, we shall see. Yes, yeah, because I mean, with that, um, you know, with that race being in uh, restrictor plate racing, I know that's kind of hard for a lot of uh, NASCAR fans to see what how they actually put those plates under the cars, but they won't they won't show the fans how they do that because that's. Um, that's like officially from uh, that's an official thing that NASCAR wouldn't show the fans if they're in person at a race. They won't show the fans how they put the plates under the cars as well. Yeah, you think there's a, a lot that goes on kind of underneath those vehicles that we don't see? Uh, yes, it actually is. It, it's, uh, it's a lot that goes under those cars as well. Yeah, it is, uh, it is fascinating. Well, what else is on your mind before we let you go today, James? Well, I'm actually going to be listening to the Auburn uh, baseball game and uh, seeing if we're going to win uh, tonight. If Who would play tonight? Uh, Jackson State? 
Uh, yes. I mean, that's softball. Right. Uh, baseball played last night, and they beat Sanford. Auburn softball plays tonight and plays Jacksonville State. Okay, so that's in Auburn, or is that in Jacksonville State? That is in Auburn, and uh, your friend J.J. Jackson will be on the call of that one. Okay, I would be listening to that one as well, and I will call you all back on tomorrow. Sounds good, James. Hope you have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, sounds good on War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Again, uh, that can serve as a reminder that we get off air about 5.30 today, 5.45 airtime for Auburn softball versus Jacksonville State. The one and only J.J. Jackson is with Jacob Hillman on the call of that one. Let's go ahead and take our first time out of hour number two when we come back. Birthdays in sports. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Check out the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss something live or miss uh, Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, go back and listen to us on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Wow, that was just a nasty that play made right there. a nasty play. On the God, Braves Padres game. Goodness gracious. Braves have attempted to score runs and had opportunities and have not yet done that. They trail one nothing midway point of that game. Yeah, Juan Soto solo home run. Yeah, largely uh, deep. I mean, like yeah. 15 rows into right field. He had come into the game six for eight off of Charlie Morton with two home runs. So I, I <laughs> that one was kind of coming, I think. But uh, here's what also is coming. Today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports is presented by Max Credit Union. Troy Polamalu turns 42, former NFL strong safety. The Pittsburgh Steelers selected 16th overall in 2003 NFL draft by the Steelers out of the University of Southern California. Fight on. Two-time Super Bowl champion, 2010 NFL Defensive Player of the Year, four-time first-team All-Pro, second or two-time second-team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, member of the NFL's 2000s All-Decade team, Pittsburgh Steelers All-Time team, and Steelers Hall of Honor. At USC, Palomalo was two-time first-team All-America, two-time first-team All-Pac-10, member of the Pro and College Football Hall of Fame. Troy Palomalo and his beautiful head of lettuce turns 42 <laughs> today. Candace Parker turns 36, current power for the, for the Las Vegas Aces, selected first overall in the 2008 WMA draft by the Los Angeles Sparks out of Tennessee. 
out of Tennessee. Go Two-time WNBA champion. I was reading. I was researching. Uh-huh. 2016 WNBA Finals MVP. Two-time WNBA MVP. Seven-time All-Star. Seven-time All-First Team. Three-time All-Second Team. 2008 Rookie of the Year and All-Rookie Team. 2015 WNBA Assist Leaders. Three-time Rebounding Leader. Three-time Peak Performer. Member of the WNBA 20th and 25th Anniversary Teams. While at Tennessee, she was a two-time National Champion. Two-time Most Outstanding Player of the NCAA Tournament, two-time AP Female Athlete of the Year, and 2008 Naismith College Player of the Year, two-time Wooden Award winner. Candace Parker turns 36 today, also doing some analysis on Turner from time to time during the NBA season. Joe Maurer turns 40, former catcher and first baseman for the Minnesota Twins, six-time MLB All-Star, 2009 American League and Most Valuable Player, Three-time Gold Glove Award winner, five-time Silver Slugger Award winner, three-time batting champ, has his number seven jersey retired by the Twins, was on multiple MLB The Show covers. Joe Maurer turns 40 today. And Kelly Olenek turns 32, current NBA center and power forward for the Utah Jazz, selected 13th overall in the 2013 NBA draft by the Dallas Mavericks out of Gonzaga. Go Zags. 2014 (laughs) NBA All-Rookie second team at Gonzaga. Olenek was 2013 Consensus First Team All-American, 2013 First Team Academic All-American, 2013 WCC Player of the Year, and First Team All-WCC has his number 13 retired by the Zags. Kelly Olenek turns 32. And those are the birthdays in sports. Troy Palomalu, 42. Candace Parker, 36. Joe Maurer, 40. Kelly Olenek, 32. Good list right there. All kind of just retiring or... Uh, at the end of their careers, basically right there. But a uh, good list for the birthdays and sports presented by Max Credit Union. We're going to go ahead and take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we will reveal Sports Calls Player of the Week as well as get a little basketball talk. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call right here on Tiger 95.9. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, with Tiger.fm. Tom, third straight day. Beautiful day, but now it's starting to get it's a little a, warmer. warmer. It's starting to get that uncomfortable warm level. It's 85 when I saw it in my truck. Yep, mid-80s today yeah. and tomorrow. Yeah. A little, little whiff of summer, which, of course, I love summer. Still but. really kind of cool at night, though. Yeah, uh, clear skies. Been going into kind of like the mid to upper 50s, so that's kind of been, been nice a little bit, but... 
uh, not quite as nice maybe as the Sam Hilliard. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was just studio, about to but, say for the for those that are not checking out the Braves, uh, you will definitely probably be seeing that. I, that just made zero. You definitely will probably. You will be. definitely probably most likely <laughs> maybe <laughs> potentially sort of. sort of might see uh, the Sam Hilliard catch on Sports Center's top ten. Uh, over the wall, robbed a home run. Literally took the ball right out of a fan's hat. Yep. The guy was about to catch the ball in his hat and uh, reached over the wall and brought one back in for an out. Off so, the bat of Manny Machado, yeah. too. So. so, yeah, maybe might possibly be able to see that. Yeah, we will just see. <laughs> uh, Braves trail one nothing going into the kind of later innings there. Hopefully they can get it going, try and get that sweep against the Padres. All right, time to unveil this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Auburn pitcher Matty Penta is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Penta was dominant over the past two weeks, starting three games, pitching 20 and two-thirds innings for the Tigers. In those 20-plus innings, Penta gave up just six runs, striking out 19 batters to only walking three and winning all three games. In her final start of the week, the rubber match against the number 12 LSU Tigers, Penta threw eight and two-thirds innings, allowing no runs and only four hits. Her dominant effort allowed the Auburn Tigers to walk it off in the bottom of the ninth and take the series over one of the best teams in the SEC. Matty Penta is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Auburn softball star Matty Pinta, this week's Sports Call Player of the Week, threw three out of the four games for the Tigers last yeah. week. Did not technically get the win on Sunday because Shelby Lowe came in and got the final out of the ninth, but eight and two-thirds shutout innings against a top 15 team in LSU to get the series victory. Uh, Matty was so important for the Tigers of Auburn. And Auburn gets that big series win. They move up in most polls. They were you know, 23-24 or not ranked. Now they are in the low 20s. They're around 20-21 in most polls. And you start to think about it. Top 16 are the hosts of regionals. Yeah. Auburn beat a team that was slated in the top 16. They've got another one in Alabama coming this weekend on the road. Bama dropped the midweek softball game last night. But they're in the top 16. And so Auburn with one very key series victory in trying to be a top 16 seed. Now they've got another big series. But Maddie Pinto was incredible this past week. Yeah, I mean, she's been incredible all season long, but especially this past weekend. Uh, and to have the dominant performance she did against LSU, that, I mean, that's a very, very good LSU team. And they just couldn't touch her. And just such an impressive performance. And she got my vote as well. Absolutely. All right, let's do a little something uh, we have not talked yet about. Um, Tom, I'll say goodbye to you for a few minutes. We're going to talk some NBA. <laughs> oh, no, by, by all means. Uh, I'm going to go in here and take a nap, <laughs> kind of like I did at the last NBA game I went to. Well, there you go. Uh, so talk a few, a few NBA items uh, for you since the playoffs are going on, and we've spent a lot of time on, on Auburn basketball and portal and Auburn football portal. Uh, so let's start with a couple of the relevant things here to our area. We'll start with uh, the Hawks, and we'll also talk a little bit about Isaac Cora and the Cavs here in just a minute. Hawks, unfortunately, dropping the first two against the Boston Celtics in pretty demonstrative fa fa uh, fashion. Excuse me, they did fight back in both games, got it closer towards the end, but uh, were, were beat pretty good at times in the first two games. 
I, I don't know if this is the right place to have this discourse. I do have Trey Young thoughts for you that you might or may not like to hear. Uh, I'm willing but, to hear them. But uh, your thoughts on, on this series, you did tell me, we, we talked about this stuff all there all the time, and you did tell me that this but this was going to be one of the toughest matchups the Hawks could have possibly played, and, and so far it is it is proving to be that. Yeah, I, I mean, there's really not much else to say with that. It's just the, the Celtics – there the Hawks don't match up well with the Celtics. It's just their 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 length, their defense. The Celtics can really spread you out of the floor. They've really made Clint Capella um basically ineffective um in how he's used as a as a paint protector because Al Horford um is able to shoot as well in the corner and really spread out the defense. Um you know, everybody's really struggled. Trey's really struggled really bad. It's it's not been good um, for him shooting-wise. Uh, you know, DeJounte's been all right. Um, but just the perimeter defense overall, the Celtics have just been able to just absolutely shoot the lights out um, for in both games. That's really is what it's come down to is just the defense is just so bad. And the way that the Celtics play their game, it's just – They've, they've been able to dominate, and it's just not a good matchup whatsoever. I told you that many times, Ryan. I was like, man, I kind of want the Hawks to lose their first play-in game and then uh, and then play that 8-9 game to get the 8 seed so they can face the Bucks. Now Miami is up one game to nothing on the Bucks. Uh, Giannis is, you know, questionable. He did get hurt, not to say that that would have happened, you know, if they were playing the Hawks, but um, the Bucks are a bit of a better matchup for the Hawks, and so – Facing the Celtics, I I knew just based off watching the watching the the games throughout the season how they <laughs> faced each other that it was going to be a extremely tough matchup. I thought that the Hawks would have to steal Game One really to have much of a chance in Boston, um, and that didn't happen. They got blown out by by thirty, and uh, well, you know the the game was kind of relatively closer, but they were down thirty at halftime and. So that just overall was not a pretty game. Ended up losing by 13, um, and they also ended up losing by 13 in game two. But uh, they start. They had a hot start at the beginning of game two, uh, and then it just kind of seemed like they got away from what was working for them. Started playing a little bit of iso ball, and you know with Trey, he's just kind of killing me because you know I'm looking at him, and he's really good at getting to the basket. He's really good at creating and being a playmaker, but. The, his reputation is that he's a foul baiter. It's it's a lot of people know that and talk about Trey as as he likes to draw the fouls and draw the contact, and you know a lot of times he's getting the contact. Maybe it's not as egregious as sometimes, but his he's trying to sell it. And Boston plays physical defense. Marcus Smart plays physical defense all the time. That's just how they are. Um, and you're not really going to get those calls in Boston. It just is what it is. And He's trying to in game two. I was getting so frustrated watching him because he would drive to the basket, not with the intention to score, but with the intention to draw a foul. And I'm saying, you know, just go play your game, man. It, it'll come to you. All right. Sometimes, you know, if you can get in front of him, get the get the defender behind you, you can draw the foul that way. That totally works. That's fine. But if you have Derek White, who's already like four inches taller than you and longer than you and you're driving to your, to the right side and you're trying to draw a foul he's just going to lay off you and he blocked the shot in the in in the opposite direction at the end of the at the end of the first half that happened and it allowed for Malcolm Brogdon to make that half court shot and put the Celtics up 3 and give them some momentum going into the into the second half it's things like that where I'm like 
they're not calling the body fouls. They're not calling it. You can see they're not calling it. You've tried three times now to draw that body foul. They're not calling it. Do something else. Change up what you're trying to do. Kind of just switch up your style of play. You you have to. Or this this is going to be the Hawks are going to end up getting swept. That's how I feel. They're they're going to end up getting swept. It'll be a quick, easy four game series. They might get game three. I'm not very confident that they get game three, um, but just the Celtics are so good top to bottom. I mean, even their role players are outplaying our starters. Um, and so overall, you know, I think Quinn, Quinn Snyder is just looking at the roster and really evaluating who he's going to keep, who's going to end up being actually traded this off season. Um, you know, Deandre Hunter is supposed to be our best perimeter defender and he was just absolutely getting torched by both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So it's just, it's just all over. There's some problems and he's not scoring on offense. So it's not very helpful. John Collins didn't have a great game in game two. He played all right in game one. Uh, so that's inconsistencies that you're seeing. He shot two for 11 in game game two. So it's just different things like that. Uh, you know, Bogdanovich, he's been playing pretty well, kind of turns it on late. But I mean, by then it's too little too late because we're, the Hawks are already down 10, 15 points at that point. So it's it's very uh, interesting to watch and kind of frustrating. But uh, I knew that this team wasn't going to make a deep run no matter how things went. I mean, maybe if they got lucky and things shook out well, like I think they would have gotten lucky if they were to able get to get the Bucks, even though they are the one seed and a very good team, they match up better. So it's things like that. And, and so, yeah, it's just a tough matchup. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to do the best that they can. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see this series going more than more than five games yeah I, I think that um with atlanta and obviously playing boston boston's one of the the two teams you trust a lot in the playoffs in the eastern conference them and the milwaukee bucks i, I think those two teams based off their last couple of years based off of their star players their core being the exact same of the last couple of years yeah. uh those teams are kind of know what they're doing in the postseason although we could talk a little bit about milwaukee here in just a moment i, I love the nba i, I know i'm not gonna I bore everyone it. with it for <laughs> me too man. hours you know and hours I but uh, it, that is my background that's how i got into talk radio was talking nba and college basketball so with, with atlanta and boston you know this is this is my discussion i want to have with with atlanta and trey here we go all right i'm with it let's do it i think that atlanta should not how do I word this correctly they shouldn't be doing it to do it but I think they should at least think about Trey Young's status as the franchise player how you would need to build a team around him if it's feasible and then conversely if you put him on the trade block or you called around and said what would you give me would you be willing to field some calls? And here's why. And I know that's tough because he's been the franchise player. I think that's one year away. One year away? I, I think that's one year away because they want to see how he does under Quinn Snyder. Sure. But so he's he's got three more years in his contract. So right. to that point, you know, that's it's not a rush on it. I, I know that there's some there was some fallout with him and Nate McMillan. The front office didn't love either side of that. They obviously got rid of McMillan. Um, so there's some in the NBA, you're one year away from the star player requesting trades if, right. if you're not going deep postseason. It kind of sucks. It's something that's not maybe the most likable thing about the league, but that is kind of the reality that, that we live in. So with Trey Young, my thought is is that how can he find a way to be impactful 
without having to try and be so proficient because he's always been a high-volume player, and there's moments where that's really good, and there's also moments where it's really bad. For instance, just in the postseason sample, he was really good his first year in the postseason for the most part. He was really good in the Knicks series, had some good games against Philly. Uh, Ironically, I was going through the box scores. Some of this postseason struggle started in Game 7 against Philly. He was 5-21 from the floor in that game. Of course, they won the game. Who cares? Awesome. The Kevin Herter game. Um, (laughs) So it kind of starts there. His last seven playoff games, he's yeah. shooting 33% from he's the floor and 18% yeah, from well. three. And it goes into something you said, and I always used to say this about James Harden, where these guys that kind of make a living at the foul line in the regular season, they get a rude awakening in the postseason because the refs do not call the game the same way. Right. And we all know that if you watch. I know most people out there that do watch, they may probably only watch the postseason. They don't call it like that in the regular season. No. Those guys shoot 10, 11 free throws a game like Harden and Trey Young. And so when they absorb some of this contact and then just kind of throw it up, they don't get those calls anymore. No. And they have to adjust the way they play. In the case of James Harden, he's never adjusted the way he's played. No. He's always – he's had maybe two good postseasons in 10 years. Right. And it's because he will not change the way he plays. And now – I don't want to get in the hard, but, but that has been a long thing, and that's part of the reason he has not been good in the postseason. And so I'm starting to see this now – with Trey Young, where his first postseason was awesome, it, it was some lightning in a bottle. Right. But now you're starting to wonder if, if it's more of Trey's like that, or is he like this? Because now in his postseason career, he is sub forty percent from the field. Right. Which is not good. Not good at all. And so if if that's my leader of the franchise, I've got to figure out if that's enough for what we want to accomplish. And if it's not, then w- what is? And so right now, Atlanta made that really interesting trade this offseason for DeJounte Murray. And Murray is a really good two-way player. He is able now – I did not think he'd get this offensive ceiling, but he's able to score more than 20 a game. Right. He's been – he was a nine-assist guy in San Antonio's last year. He was six, six-and-a-half this year, but obviously Trey Young's there too, so that's why that went down. So he's capable of doing a lot offensively, but he's obviously one of the better guard defenders in yeah, the league. Yeah. And so he's a really good two-way player. And so my thought was, is okay, he's a more efficient player. So if you have some package for Trey where you get a real shooting guard and you get three first-round picks or something, like a 18- to 20-point shooting guard that's mm-hmm. in a really great three-point shooter or a, or a two-way shooting guard. And I don't know who that is, I'm, and I'm not going to try. Right, and, right, right. It's too early to maybe try and do specifics. But just what? how would you perceive that kind of, of, of trade? Because I don't want to start judging and making final decisions on someone that's 24 years old. Right. But the last couple of years have started to trend in a concerning direction. For and sure. we've had conversations about, well, statistically, he's one of the very best players in the league. Right. But he's not getting those honors like he's one of the very best players of the league. And it comes from the stuff like this, where when it is mattering most, he's now struggling. And while his proficiency is great, right. his efficiency has not been not great. And it's not all about efficiency. I'm not right. trying to be this analytics nerd. But he had below-average marks this year, even though he had the best raw stats in the league in points and assists. So you've got to look at how efficient do we have to be around Trey, or is Trey just someone that is not 
efficient enough to be the number one option that a franchise superstar usually is. Right. Those are the questions Atlanta, I Definitely. feel, has got the answer. I'm not – I one year away is completely fair because I've just started to come – I've started to come around this hypothesis the last few weeks as I've thought about right, it. So it's right, not right. like we have to no, jump yeah, to that for conclusion. Sure, for sure. But it is worth monitoring. And, look, Quinn Snyder is a really good coach, and Agreed. I trust him to, to get something out of the players. I don't think that this postseason or anything that happened this year – in 25 games should revolve around what Quinn Snyder's going to be at Atlanta because sure. he did a really good job, I feel, in Utah. Um, but it, it is a concerning trend for Trey, and I want to see if he can back at home in these next two games, even if Atlanta doesn't win, can he get back on the right yeah. foot from a postseason's perspective because it's been I rough a, for I him a, the last season. I need an efficient and 25 and 10 yeah. game, like an efficient, good 25-10 assist game from Trey to where he looks confident in his shot because I mean even in you know there were some times in Boston where I'm watching the game and I'm like he usually takes that shot and he's not he's hesitating okay cool I get it you haven't been shooting well and maybe you're still missing however that goes but you know some of it I think is playing into a confidence issue um, which is you know upsetting uh, to see from your franchise player it's something to definitely watch uh, I, I think Quinn Snyder is going to get him in the offseason uh, they're going to work together they've already I've already seen some improvements in the offense as a whole from from the Hawks um, I, I am just hoping that a full offseason with Quinn Snyder with the pieces that he ends up bringing in because I, I can almost guarantee you there will be some trades. I think, you know, I think Clint Capella is gone. I think I think Anyeka Kongu is going to be the starter uh, moving forward. I uh, could definitely see John Collins, you know, being moved as well as um, DeAndre Hunter just because they're they're not they're not as good I, I you know i love john collins i could see him staying because he does fit with how trey plays in that style of play with the lob thread and you know he did he has been shooting better from three as of late um he's been getting more consistent and and i think he just needs to get to the right spots honestly that's really for john collins if you get him in certain areas he's not missing he has a good little jump turnaround it's almost like jalen williams honestly it's a, he has a good little turnaround um push shot uh he's a lob threat uh, extremely athletic and he can shoot the three pretty well i mean you know he can be streaky um but he he really can't sometimes he'll knock knock down about three or four and it's like okay we got something dialed working in, yeah. here yeah he's, he's really dialed in i think you just need to set him up and put him in a better position to succeed and from then he'll be fine because a lot of people criticize john collins where he's you know he can't create his own offense that's one of his many criticisms and it's like most stretch fours, yeah, though. Most, they can. I mean, they I know he's got more of a post game than a true stretch right. four, but I mean, that's you know, if I'm thinking of like the prototypical stretch four, the pass like a Ryan Anderson or something, yeah, it's going to come trail threes, you know, just yeah, eight trail exactly. threes a game for yeah, the Rock yeah. or something. All right, great, but Collins does have more of a post game, so at least you get to him. It's there's something that can right. be done the elbow or around the block yeah and, and he really he's a solid mid-range as well and and like i said he can shoot the three pretty decently so it, it'll be interesting in the offseason like i said this series with against the celtics it was the worst possible matchup of everybody in the east i think the boston celtics were the worst uh matchup that the hawks could have drawn just because of how they their style of play and their five out offense they are basically just unstoppable from three and and even I mean the Hawks were giving up everything layups threes mid-range whatever the Hawks the Celtics were just scoring at will yeah. so it's just um it's just a series that I'm just going to count as a loss I, 
I, I would, like I said, I was hoping for a miracle if we were to win. Um, and that's just not going to be the case. The Celtics are the clearly better team, better constructed team as well. Um, and so, yeah, with that, it, you know, that's just how the series is going to play out. And, and uh, like I said, four or five games. So that is Boston and Atlanta looking like a short series for the defending Eastern Conference champion Celtics. We only have two or three minutes left in this hour. I do want to spend it talking about Auburn's Isaac Okoro. Kind of unfortunate situation what's happened in Cleveland here in the first two games. So first game, Okoro starts like he was the regular season, but about 20, 25 minutes, uh, did not hit his perimeter jumpers and uh, was not in there during the stretch run. They put in Jetty Osmond. Uh, that backfired on Cleveland, in my opinion. He had to guard Jalen Brunson. Brunson cooked him a couple cooked times. Up. They they steal game one. They they left Osmond in because he had hit a couple threes, but I just don't think that was worth what was happening on the defensive end of a close game. So game two last night in Cleveland goes vastly different. Cavs, uh, close game in the first quarter, but really all over the Knicks from, from the first quarter on. And so they, they take game two. They, they beat them by double digits and were up 20, 25 points in the second half. Isaac Okoro last night played three minutes. Three. He did start. Yeah. He was 0 for 1, two fouls, two turnovers in three minutes. And then you got a whole lot of Karis LeVert. And for the first time in the postseason, they played Danny Green, who's been on a million postseason rosters <laughs> right. in the last 12 years. Um, Need a shooter? Danny Green. I, what the Cavs saw was that in game one, what the Knicks were allowing themselves to leave open was corner threes. Yep. Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland would drive. Whoever that three or four man was, usually a three man, would right. be out in the corner. Kicking in the corner. And so that was a coro a lot in game one, and he was over three or over four from three. So in game two, they put Karis LeVert out there a lot. He went four of nine from three. He ended up playing 40 minutes off the Cavs bench, and he had 24 points on, on nine of 16. Um yeah. I don't know if Okoro is going to be playing much more in this series. Now, I think there are matchups for him if they play Milwaukee. Right. And he could guard Giannis or Chris Middleton at times. Right. And that might be necessary for how they operate. But how the Knicks are defending them is requiring the Cavs to play someone that can shoot those yeah. corner threes. Play more offense, And yeah. in the playoffs, you don't get three or four games to figure it out nope. because you can be out in three or four games. Yep. And unfortunately, Okoro had that rough game one. And he might be on the outside looking into their rotation now. Yeah, that that's just tough, and, and it's just a part of the uh, the adjustments that you have to make when you're in the playoffs. You you know, um, and if you're the Cavs and, and Isaac's not making you know the threes that he's you know he's supposed to be a three and D guy, and and if he's not making the threes, then the defense you know it, it brings a lot, but you need it's to score. Yeah, it's only situations, yeah, and you need to be able to score. I mean, the so that I mean it's it's frustrating to see you want him to get as many minutes as possible um but i mean only three minutes in game two so i I think i agree with you ryan i think he will be on the outside looking in um if the if the Cavs are to move on i I think this series is going to go seven games if the Cavs are to move on um then you know maybe isaac will situationally like you said get some more minutes uh depending on the matchup yeah we will see but did want to update about uh auburn tiger isaac okoro again in the postseason for cleveland had a starting role in game one and game two, but again, only played three minutes last night. I think that'll be a long series, though. There'll be some twists and turns with Cleveland and New York. That's going to be one of the fun series to watch. We are out of time for hour number two. Again, only a half hour coming back 
in hour number three with Auburn softball coming up at about 5.30. Of course, we'll continue to take your phone calls on the Auburn Mate phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER9. Again, out of time for hour number two. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three starting right now. Tiger 95.9. The Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan the Boy. We've got Tom Peavy <laughs> and Cam Berry with me. You can really, turn it off I, and on. In this he, I really Man, I, do love you, Ryan. <laughs> I, it, it was like so heated. It, like in the commercial break. I mean, it just heated, heated, heated debate about Adam Silver and the NBA and all. And I mean, it right up until we're about to go on the show. He, he, hey, welcome back to the show. Yeah, nothing Child to see here. <laughs> rainbows, rainbows and butterflies. That's a professional right there. On this beautiful right. Wednesday day. Um, about 30 minutes left in the show. Auburn softball coming up at 545. J.J. Jackson, Jacob Hillman on the call. That one, Auburn takes on Jacksonville State. Just one or two more uh, midweek games for Auburn softball. Things are winding down. Auburn baseball is got a few more series left in the SEC play, but Auburn softball only three more series in SEC play before the SEC tournament. And then, uh, of course, uh, one of these being the Alabama series coming up this weekend in Tuscaloosa. So you play 24 conference games in softball. You play 30 in baseball. So things are coming to a close pretty quickly here. So that's why very big emphasis on this Alabama series coming up for Auburn softball because they can beat another top 15 team, try and get in position to be a top 16 team, and hopefully host a regional at Jane B. Moore Field. Again, so we'll be getting off air about 5.30. On a non-sports-related note, time for a little this is not a wacky wednesday but i always feel the ability to talk just about anything on a wednesday because we do market some wednesdays as wacky wednesdays we will have a wacky wednesday next wednesday by the way right uh tom will be uh in charge of that one and uh we're excited about that one so wacky wednesday will come back next wednesday but i did have to tell the populace since we've talked about this multiple times on the show i went to the auburn buckies today <laughs> so did go. Brooks and Brant. They are not in the studio right now. So first visit to the Auburn Buckies, second time uh, for me going to the Auburn Buckies. And I'll just tell you what, again, when you go in, in there and you just think about everything that you see in there, because there is so much, there is a multitude of... <laughs> 
for everything from food, beaver nuggets, all the convenience store stuff you'd normally have, all the merchandise. You just look, you take one look in that store while you're in there, and you just think to yourself, Well, that's overwhelming. Just, just <laughs> all the time. I, I, I spent 20 minutes in there. It could have been two hours. You, did, you, would, you just, you. <laughs> what did you get? What did you get? I know you got the beaver nuggets. I know you got. The, uh, well, which the, of the beaver nuggets? Apparently a whole bunch. There are like six different kinds. Oh there are. Gosh. I got the base I flavor because I figured like we've got to understand what this is about first. Right. Before we go into the flavored beaver nugget. So the, the base beaver nugget has like this caramel syrupy flavor yeah, to it. Right. It's like a, what it's was like it? Caramel, corn, it's like caramel corn. Corn pop, basically. Yeah, and yeah. and then uh, Brooks described, and I agree with it, like you just took a corn pop or something and you just put your the syrup that you were using on your pancake or your waffle and you you dipped, you dipped the corn pop in That's there. fair, yeah. I, I, I like that description. That's kind of what it tasted like. It was good. I can't eat. They sell these like $5 bags, like a, a bag big enough to big. sell in a grocery store yeah. and take home. And that was, again, that was overwhelming and, <laughs> and too much. And so I couldn't do all that. So that's that's community now. Right. Andrew, our intern, who's out in the hallway, if you want some beaver nuggets there on the table, just go ahead and grab them. Just go ahead. Have to, he already has some at home. Has some All right, he's home. taken care of. So anyone in the office, go grab them. They're on the table. Uh, I got just kind of for some sustenance for a meal. Right, right. I got one of those cheese and turkey conglomerates where you get in like a cup. So you have like two kinds of cheese. It's kind of like half of a charcuterie board, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. just in the cup. Okay, okay. Uh, with uh, some peppered turkey. It's fine. Nice. You know, it's if you were you on the road. Did you get a barbecue sandwich? Uh, so I had already had, the the first time I ever went, we stopped at Calhoun, Georgia. Oh, you one, had the barbecue and, and I had a brisket okay, okay. sandwich. So, um, And that was solid. I, I'm still the opinion. I hope this doesn't hurt anyone's feelings because some people really love the brisket stuff and the barbecue stuff there. It's still not better than actually going to your local local barbecue joint, though. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you're on the road, absolutely, that's yeah. really good stuff for being on the road. For sure. But you're not going to take that over one of our fine barbecue establishments sure. in the area. Right. So I, I mix it up with that. And then I've got this kind of tin of, uh, of Bucky's cookies. I don't know what they called them. Just kind of the base kind of sugar cookie type of thing, right. small cookies. Bite-sized, and they're good. Middle wafers. They're solid. Uh, nothing that's just going to, again, change your life. Right, right. Uh, got a Dr. Pepper Icy Classic. for 89 cents, so <coughs> you know, take Classic. advantage of that. They really promote those fountain drinks. They've got like three sets of fountain drinks, they and uh, they're all really good. <clears throat> and I don't know. It, it Again, nothing individually was just like – let me change how I think about food, <laughs> or let me right. change how I think about life. life. Well, but the experience the is still something. Give the breakfast a try and give back to me. If you if if you're just ever thinking about, hey, I might want some breakfast, and you don't know where to go, you don't want to cook, go to Bucky's. I had the bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. I got two of them uh, Friday uh, on my way back from Montgomery, and I had to stop and get some gas before we headed to the beach. So I uh, I grabbed breakfast, and they were pretty good. Okay. They're, yeah, I can, I can, I can get behind those. Bacon I told you before that I'm not usually a big breakfast burrito right. guy. Like I can't you know, imagine yeah. starting my day that way because yeah. some people in their that like will end them right. for the for the yeah. day. That's fine. So I you can't have to get the burrito. That's fine. Okay. Bacon egg and cheese biscuit though. Okay. Hitting bacon egg and cheese. They have a sausage egg and cheese, sausage biscuit, bacon biscuit. 
it, I, I have not been yet, but I've, I've had people, uh, especially at Fat Daddy's, uh, go and bring stuff in. In fact, uh, a friend of mine brought some stuff in last night. And uh, it was the, the beaver nuggets, they were like the bold and spicy. Yeah, they had a hot and spicy yeah, one. Yeah, hot and spicy. And then there was also like a trail mix type thing that had like a spice to it. And that was really good. And then I, I also did try the the, carrot, the actual, the regular Original beaver ones, nuggets. Yeah. It, it tastes like, to me, it reminded me of like caramel popcorn. Yeah, it, it's it, not far off. No. Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've had a couple of things, but I still haven't gone yet. And it's going to happen soon. Yeah, just just make sure you have a nice half hour carved out. <laughs> just, yeah. just a good block of time where you don't need to be anywhere. Well, and that's the thing. The, the friend of mine last night stopped to get gas. And I even said then, I was like, well, that's going to be a mistake. <laughs> like, you're going to be there for a while. <laughs> well, they have four, like 40 pumps. So yeah. Well, it wasn't about gas. It's like uh, if you go inside, okay. you're going to yeah. be stuck. And sure enough, yeah. yeah. It just got wrapped up, couldn't get out. <laughs> Time can add up in there. They, yeah. I, and I didn't even broach this subject, but the, you know they've got the bakery in there too, and some Ooh, of that stuff wee. looked really good. And it's, it's cheaper because I guess the problem I had is that a lot of the stuff they packaged was like definitely not individual serving. Right. It's like a hey, here's the kind almost like a grocery size, component, yeah. and I wasn't really looking for that when I was trying this stuff. But the more individual stuff over at the bakery where they got the fresh cookies and. And treats. Now right. that is something that will need to be it. investigated next Absolutely. time. Absolutely. So, uh, did have one of just again inform the populace. I've been there. I'm not like taking a meal, like again on the go. Absolutely, but I'm not going to like go in there for the meal because t- that was our intention. Me, Brant, and Brooks were there, and we ate it kind of specifically to find a lunch and that sort of stuff. And I racked up twenty dollars. You know, just because it's not right. individual stuff. Like, right. give me like a pack of beaver right. nuggets for a dollar ninety nine, not yeah, the yeah. bag for five dollars. Giant bag, right? Right. That's fair. That's, I but they, they're that. smart. But, you know, you're going to try. Right. Right. So there's five dollars. So, you and you know, you could. I bet you there's some some quick, pretty quality meals outside of the brisket sandwich because you know you can go to the pad uh, the pad and like yeah, and that's what Brandon well. did. He got chicken. Brand- oh, uh, they've got hot dogs. He's oh he's not around here. He's doing oh, the station. I'm about to say sorry about it. Yeah, somebody was telling me that there there's like a freezer section that's got some. It, it, it sounded like some banging food. Like there was like some sort of uh, like crawfish stuffed chicken and stuff oh, that's man. in the freezer freezer section. That um, they were describing that stuff to me. I was like, oh my gosh! I'm like that sounds really amazing. A oh, boudin stuff. I don't know if you, y'all know what boudin is or if you like boudin. It's a it's a Cajun Cajun. It's, yeah, a, it's sounds the, Louisiana. It is. It's uh the like rice sausage um okay really good yeah uh apparently there's like a, a boudin stuffed something I'm like man interesting i didn't I'm really look, stare at the freezers I, I i know at the at the fridge you know they they don't have as many bottled right. drinks as you could have they do have a lot of alcohol you know but they they have a couple coke products uh who probably sponsors our sports call podcast but other, other than that, you know, it was not. It's still not. At the end of the day, they're not letting. They were not letting Coke and Pepsi coexist in there. It was just Coke and and Dr Pepper stuff, and and that was about it. But uh, again, they're they're pushing those fountain drinks that you have, and they have even have like three or four rows of the 
of the the ICs. So again, that's why I went uh, large Dr Pepper IC. So yeah, uh, that sponsor was not paid by Bucky's. If you want to advertise with us, please do though. <laughs> we were yeah. gonna, we're gonna go ahead and take our first time out and our only time out. We need to do a uh, remote show from Bucky's. We certainly do. We're gonna take our final time out of the show today. When we come back, we'll start to wrap things up. Also, a nightly TV guide coming up again. Getting off air at five thirty. As Auburn softball will start around 545. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Two outs, top of the ninth for the Braves. One, one, out. one out. Ryan two LeBoy outs, Campbell. Top oh, of the ninth well, for Azuna's the Braves. at the plate, so yeah, two <laughs> outs. You're right. Uh, Padres leading the Braves. Well, they get it into a double play. Uh, Padres are up 1 nothing on the Bravos' top nine. Um, so, Marcel Azuna's pinch hitting, which I'm sure every Braves fan is excited about right now. Every Braves fan is booing um, their TV right now. Runner on first, one out. It's almost just like, hey, last 10 minutes is going to be live play-by-play of the Braves game. Of course, if you want to hear Ben Ingram on the Braves radio network, 1230 WAUD is the place to do that. Uh, Braves in danger of being shut out and losing one nothing, but still overall productive series, even oh, if yeah. they don't oh. uh, get this done by winning 2 out, three out of 3 yeah. against the Pods. This is a big at-bat for Azuna just from the standpoint of um, he needs something to go right. Get a he needs the proof. They've been trying to play him against lefties. It's pretty getting increasingly clear Sam Hilliard's going to have a role in this team, especially oh, yeah. against righties. Uh, but still, who they can put out against lefties between Pilar and Azuna and Eli White is still out there. And a couple of close strike calls going the uh, Josh Hader's way. But uh, just at this point, rooting for not double play of that game. But the Braves overall this year have – just done a really good job of of being able to withstand kind of deficiencies at the bottom of their lineup because we've talked about that Ozuna's been terrible. Yeah. Rosario's under 200 unless he got a hit today. I know he started over one, so he's so. under 200. Oh, Eli man. White, who they played a little bit, also under 100. Pilar's at like 220. So really, everyone they've run out in the outfield but Hillard, Hilliard and Acuna, and obviously Michael Harris, but Harris has been hurt for a while, has, has not gone well. Top of the lineup has been carrying. But, yeah, Acuna's <laughs> been great. Top it's so good to see him carrying. 100%. Uh, we've seen great production from Sean Murphy. We've seen great production, obviously, from Riley and, and Matt Olson. And this team has only lost to this point what four, four games? games. Yeah. Four games. Three yeah. of them to the pods. Maybe a fourth coming. So they have been 
taking advantage of these opportunities as in trying to hang in there. Um, and I, this bodes well. If you look at the prognostication of just generic outlets, Braves up there with anyone in World Series. Oh, yeah. They've got the second best record in best record in the NL, second best record in all of the MLB behind the Rays. Right. And Ozuna strikes out. Oh, surprise, surprise. Um, And so the fact that they've been able to withstand, you know, these injuries and still be able to win games, um, you know, they, they swept the Royals. Um, if I remember correctly, yes. and then they all, they, I mean, this will be, this was, I mean, they're on an eight game win streak right now. Um, obviously that is going to come to an end probably today. Unless, and Ozzie, one at that. Yeah, yep. and, unless Ozzy Albies, you know, does something crazy, which, Hey, you never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, they've been playing very well. It's very impressive to see. And, and so you hope that, you know, when, when everybody comes back healthy, you get back, um, Michael Harris, you get back uh, Iglesias is in your pitching staff. You get back, um, you get back Arcia, even though it's not like Grissom has been playing relatively bad. Um, you, you get back all these guys that you've been missing in your in your everyday rotation uh, or your everyday lineup. Then you'll you'll really see. Hopefully, this team will be able to hit stride and uh, and really just kind of run away with the and at least obviously it's a lot of games. You can't really count that count on that. The Mets have kind of caught up and closed the gap a little bit um, <clears throat> by a, a few games, but still the the Braves are playing very well and it's very formidable that they've been able to withstand these injuries. Just a few minutes left in the show. Time for a nightly TV guide to close things out. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. I'm starting this early today because I know what Brooks did not put on there. And I'm in a constant battle with Brooks right now. And uh, we're trying to work through it. But here we go. Here's what he put on there. Bowling on there? Uh, He put it. He did it. So 6 o'clock NHL, New York Islanders, Carolina Hurricanes, Game 2. That one, the Canes. One game one that was on that's on ESPN two tonight. Six o'clock on FS one. More PBA bowling. I don't know how they're bowling this many days in a row. I know nothing. I, I just it's it's on again. It's like the third straight day. Yay. Vandy Vandy women won stuff. Yay bowling. Good for them. Six o'clock SEC Network college softball. Jacksonville State and the number twenty one Auburn Tigers. Of course, you can listen to that in just a few minutes here. Five forty five airtime on Tiger ninety five point nine. Six thirty more NHL. A team from Florida, the Panthers, playing the Boston Bruins, who had the best record in the National Hockey League this year, 6.30 on ESPN. Once again, there is no NBA playoffs. It still exists, Brooks. It's going to exist for two months. So here's the NBA matchup Accept tonight. Accept it. Braves lose. Braves lose. Braves do lose. one nothing. 6.30 on TNT. Los Angeles Lakers, Memphis Grizzlies. Will Ja Morant play? We shall see. Will he be effective if he does play? Mm. If not, Memphis is in big trouble. Big, big trouble. So Lakers trying to go up 2-0, commanding 2-0 lead on the road. That was my upset pick. 6.30 TNT. I said Memphis in 7, but I did not think Morant would be hurt immediately. So fair. to be fair, to, be, to protect myself on to that one. 8 o'clock on NBA TV. Milwaukee trying to avoid going down 0-2. Jimmy Buckets, Miami Heat at the Milwaukee Bucks. That one 8 o'clock NBA TV. I think Giannis is in, judging off Milwaukee being eight-and-a-half-point yeah. favorites. I right. surely hope that that's not the line with Giannis out. And then 9 o'clock on TNT, also eight-and-a-half-point favorites. I'll take the over. 
Denver Nuggets, Minnesota Timberwolves. Absolutely, we'll take the over. Uh, Timberwolves were just not good in game one. Nuggets trying to go up 2-0 in that series again, 9 o'clock on TNT. That is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That is going to do it for us today. Cam, thank you for being here, sir. We'll see you again on Friday. Glad to be here. And then Tom Peavy, thank you for being here this week, sir. Hope you have a good rest of your week. We'll see you next week. That's it. Enjoyed it. Of course, we always thank those that tuned in and called in. Coming up next, J.J. Jackson, Jacob Pillman on the call, Auburn Softball, and Jane B. Moorefield, 545 airtime against Jacksonville State. For Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, My name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.